20 by 14 Reflections on Studying Architecture Abroad The Podcast How tall is a chair in centimeters? For American architecture students, spending a semester in Italy is, among many other things, an opportunity to cope with the metric system. How big is a door in centimeters? How tall is a chair? How wide is a bed? In the same way, students will learn, if they want, the weight of things in kilograms, the quantity of liquids or gasoline in liters, and how cold a day is in Celsius degrees. More importantly, they will discover that Italians measure geographical distances in kilometers and not in hours. New bizarre standards, new units, and a new language. All of them should be seen not as obstacles, but, but as new tools that will strengthen the student's curriculum vitae. Since architecture is today a global discipline that involves different languages and standards. Hi to all and welcome to a new episode of the podcast 20 by 14. Today, in front of me, I have uh, uh, a couple of uh, friends and uh, one of them is a former student. The other has not been a former student, but we dis the discovered that we have a lot of things in common and uh, it could have, he could have been a, a former student. I have here Nicole Friend and Kevin Lee. Ciao, Nicole. Ciao, Franco. <laughs> and ciao uh, Kevin. They are speaking ciao. from uh, Watertown near Boston. And uh, Nicole is a former student. I think she's from one of my really first semesters with the, the American students. So I'm pretty sure she had a different uh, impression uh, on me. I'm pretty sure my English was not good at that time as maybe it is not now but it was way worse than now for sure <laughs> so nick and kevin are uh, a couple in even in real life and they're waiting for a baby so congratulations uh, for Thank this uh, great accomplishment i know that one of the things that uh, that is in common uh, with your with your background is the fact that they are very intricate. You studied in different places, and uh, there is uh, a, a back, an Italian background in, uh, in some of your experiences. Uh, guys, can you please uh, be a little bit more precise about your being abroad experiences? You want to start? I'll start. Okay. Um, so I, yes, my first abroad experience was, was, was with you, Franco, in 2006. Um, and actually growing up in the Boston area, I, I never left New England until I was in college, um, which is actually pretty common, I think, for a lot of Americans. Um, and so for me, being abroad was just an unbelievable experience. My first time, it was completely eye-opening. And um, one of the things that was really incredible or one of the things that I really started to begin to notice um, was that as I traveled to different countries uh, with my first experience I, I did I, I was able to travel quite a lot um, I started to notice that the way we use our physical environment the things that we need although countries are different and the cultures are different everything was like intrinsically the same and that was really 
I think formative for me for my first experience and and led to a lot of uh, where I am today. And so that was that was the most yeah the most eye opening the most formative part of being abroad of that experience. Kevin. Uh, so yeah, and for me, I, I mean, I come from a slightly different background. Um, I was born in Korea, so my I feel like my entire life has been abroad somewhere, um, even going back to Korea. Uh, so I uh, went to school in, at USC, um, went went abroad to Italy back in 2005 uh, in Como for about six months, uh, and then went back there, back to Rome, actually, in 2008, um, have gone back and forth in Italy for quite a bit. Um, and as far as like other countries go, I think um, really it's just been been like most of Western Europe and South Korea in terms of abroad experiences. Um, and for me, I think the um, it's always been this kind of uh, idea of going to a new place, but also un trying to understand, understand um, initially seeing the differences Right, but understanding that through those differences, you end up you end up seeing a lot more similarities with the culture that you're from, and that's sort of sort of been at the the kind of crux of my uh, my abroad experience. Similar, very similar. I think, yeah. And sure. one of oh, please keep going. I, I was just gonna say that that um, you know when I think about being abroad, and I know we've had these conversations, Franco, about that. You know, even in the U.S., as I said, I can go to an, a new place and it still sort of feels abroad, right? Everything is a little bit different. But um, after my first trip to Italy, I uh, ended up moving across the country. I decided, you know, I the world is just it's way too big to just be in New England and I needed to explore more. So I moved across the country, I ended up living in California for many years, went to school, went to grad school out in California. And while I was there, I also had the opportunity to study in China and um, in South America. And so it, my sort of abroad experience, just, I just got the, the travel bug, as they said, and I wanted to see everything and, and experience everything. And I think for me, being abroad really, um, it means getting a chance to observe through new lenses and which I think is really, really critical to your success as a student, but also as a professional. And I don't think I would have the same approach to my, to, to, to my profession, which I actually switched to urban planning from architecture because of these experiences, I think helped me understand that that was more of um, what I wanted to do over architecture. And so I think it's just, it's really important in, in as a student and as a professional to experience lots of, lots of places. After your first uh, study abroad experience, the opportunity to go to grad school in a different place from the undergrad school, and then to be looking for, for jobs. So I want to speak with you about portfolio and how, because in, in the book I wrote, uh, in many chapters, I wrote about how important it is to start to work portfolio-wise since your third year of, under, of undergrad school. And uh, to be abroad can be a way of uh, uh, stop looking at uh, classes, grades, classes, grades, and to start to build up uh, something that represents you. So guys, how important has been uh, your 
the pages of your CV that were and your portfolio that were developed abroad in your experience because you had interviews, you sat in front of people that were browsing your CV. So I keep calling the pages usually developed abroad as hook pages, those pages that can stop a conversation and, uh, and make someone focus more. Was it like this for you too? I think, um, you know, because of the fact that the, for me at least, uh, portfolios are like a reflection of who you are as a designer, right? Um, and it, you know, like you said, a reflection of your personality. You know, it's it's more it's more that ultimately in the end the experience had changed innately who I was as a person, right? Um, because to me, like you know, studying abroad basically is like is a is a way to kind of identify your position in in the larger world that's out there, you know, and and understand where you stand in relationship to everything else around you. Um, that once you have that experience you just walk away from it as a different person with a different set of ideals different set of ideas about how the world works that it just naturally turns into um certain certain ways of expressing yourself on on a page right it's not so much that it directly directly affected that but basically it just changed who i was internally um and basically affected how i how i represented myself on on, on my portfolio i think yeah i think for me being abroad was a chance to really take time to observe and absorb everything around me. And because of that, um, I think that my projects, the project work that I did abroad was much stronger. Um, it was really rooted more in almost an anthropological sense of just understanding every bit of what was happening around me at the time and how that related to the urban environment and how that related to the to the project specifically. One of the great things I think from being abroad that I had from a portfolio perspective is just all of the sketches. And you know, it's funny, okay. it's even even now, like when when we travel, we sketch so much more than just an everyday life, which is unfortunate. You know, you should really be trying to do it, but you get so caught up in the everydayness of your your life that you don't take the time but when you're abroad when you're on vacation when you separate yourself from those sort of mund that mundane every day you can you can observe you can take that time and so I think I have some just like really beautiful sketches that um, I was able to use in my portfolio and those became conversation pieces but that I mean she brings up an interesting point there though right like uh, the the important thing about going abroad is that that kind of interface with the awkwardness, uh, interface with the, the different things, uh, interface with the other. And I think um, what it teaches you to do is just take a second and look at something for, for a little bit longer than you would normally do. Um, and instead of just kind of passing, passing by something like a, like a beautiful urban moment that you would, you would just otherwise ignore, you, are tr you get trained to kind of sit there and actually look at it for a second, appreciate it, understand it, what's going on there, and then and then process it in your head. And I think going abroad actually lets you do that because of the fact that you're confronted with so many new things that you've never really seen before. Um, yes, I I do agree. It is also true that uh, you need to have or develop a sensitivity toward the discovery of uh, quality instead of quantity uh, 
-hmm. But abroad, given the fact that everything is different, you can have uh, a little spot to practice in a completely different way, like it or not. Then you can go back to your routines or you can say, you know what, there is also other because... uh, uh the way uh, undergrad undergraduate curriculums are developed many times gives you a very wide range of uh, possibilities but no depth in, uh, in in nothing because you have to rush finish a semester start another semester maybe work in the summer to to save some money and then again and then again when you are when you're abroad you have that opportunity to invest uh, in appreciation of uh, of time but it is true that to do that you need to be you need to leave your door open to to the experience because if you are convinced that that is just uh, a joke oh my professor abroad was a joke because he didn't ask me as much as uh, my usual professor and in, in my home campus but I think it's an opportunity. When you go abroad, you are more than 20. So in my opinion, it's it's about uh, being uh, uh, raising the level of your bar for yourself. Maybe. Then if you want, it's, the possibility is there. If you don't want, nobody can, can make it mandatory to be to be uh, more deep. Good. I remember, uh, speaking of sketches, I remember, I mean, you said uh, 2007, so we are speaking of uh, 14 years ago. But I remember uh, telling you that you were writing too much in your sketchbook uh, and there were not enough sketches, but, uh, and not because I didn't like uh, taking notes, but because I always have... Uh, this mixed feeling about sketchbook because even if I'm forced to use a sketchbook as a tool to communicate with students, I'm strongly respecting sketchbooks because I know that inside sketchbooks there are some uh, really intimate and deep uh, moments of. So I don't like to read or to spy because it makes me feel uncomfortable. But I remember that your <laughs> sketchbook was full and full of pages of notes, even going out or reflecting of the things that were happening. And when you said of uh, the anthropological experience of your sketchbook, I can, I can say, yes, it was actually uh, like that. And you made me really uncomfortable because I had to judge your commitment, but I didn't want to read uh, your, your words because uh, I would hate someone reading my, my notes. So it's always uh, mixed feelings. When I can, I ask students to use a sketchbook, but I never check the sketchbooks because yeah. uh, it's something too personal. Uh, well, food. that's actually, it's funny you say that because it was actually there that I developed this sort of sense of um, my sketchbooks almost also being a diary, also being a place where I, like a scrapbook. And so I have, a, I picked moleskin, the sort of small sketchbook size, and I always use that size all the time. So I have a whole series of sketchbooks that are sketches, diaries, scrapbooks of all of everything, travel or um, just life. No, and- I, I, I mean, I really appreciate that, but I, uh, I couldn't appreciate that as a teacher 14 years ago because uh, by mistake, I put the sketchbook as uh, maybe 20% of the final grade. So I had to go over <laughs> and I discovered that uh, that was not good. I mean, I don't know how to say it's good and it's necessary to develop a sketchbook, but it's hard and impossible to judge it. Yeah. So if I somehow induce in you the need of keeping a sketchbook in your pockets, 
I'm happy. You made my yeah. day. <laughs> no, it was it was you. It definitely was you. You always said sketch every day, and I I do yeah. every day, but I don't sketch every day. <laughs> Great. Uh, guys, uh, a last um, a last question because we try to finish all the interviews with uh, with a funny moment of uh, constructive uh, dis- discomfort or learning misunderstandings. Do you have any memories or any episode that you want to share with us about that moment in which you didn't want to be there? But then realize, you realize that that moment really was uh, was important. Well, I actually have a couple. Um, one from my time in Italy with with you. So the first week we were there, um, I realized that we didn't have a can opener in our apartment, right? And we needed to like open things. Um, And this was, you know, like we said, 2006, this was before smartphones. This was at before time. Tutorials. Yeah, this was at a time also in Florence where there were not a lot of English speakers. When we went back just a few years ago, I was amazed at how many people were speaking English because when I was there, nobody would speak English to you, which I actually liked. Um, but anyway, so I leave the I leave the apartment without my pocket dictionary thinking, just going to go into the local store, just going to grab a can opener and it'll be all fine and I'll go. Well, I couldn't find it, couldn't find one. And so I have to like ask the store clerk, you know, do you have a can opener? And in my broken Italian, I'm asking him, but I realize I don't know the Italian word for can opener. And so <laughs> I spend, this is probably a 15 minute ordeal of me using kind of like as much broken Italian, this is the first week, but <laughs> that I can to figure out ways to describe a can opener. And also just using like a lot of hand gestures um, and the store clerk bringing out all this different stuff, like all these different <laughs> gadgets. And like none of us, like we couldn't figure, I couldn't tell him what I needed and he couldn't figure out what I was saying. And uh, finally he brought out a can opener and I was like, yes, that's what I need. And we were like all laughing by the end of it. I think, I think it was funny moment for all of us. Um, I still, to this day, don't remember the Italian word for can opener. That should be one that's like, in, like just glued to my memory, but. Apriscatole. Apriscatole, yeah, there you go. It's not a very, like. Great, but as, as of today, internet. Uh, right. Made can opener known everywhere, so. It's, it's more accessible, yeah. Exactly. The other um, just quick one was when I was in China, um, confuse the words for excuse me and you're welcome because they're very similar. <laughs> and I didn't realize, and it's very crowded there. So, you know, I would like bump into people on the train and, you know, all this stuff and come to find, and everyone would like, I'd say, you know, oh, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. And everybody would give me these dirty looks and I couldn't figure out why. And finally, my friend said, you know, you keep saying you're welcome to them when you hit them. <laughs> so it's just like, you're welcome that I've <laughs> run into you. You're uh, <laughs> welcome. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> so a couple of, couple of stories on my end too. Um, so first one is more of a um, cultural appliance uh, snafu. 
So like, I had no idea what a bidet was initially and neither did some of my friends when we first went to Italy. <laughs> Grew up in, growing up in like Korea and, and, and US, you have no idea what the hell. Um, and see the toilet, which obviously looks like a toilet. And then a thing that looks like a toilet, but looks also looks like a little wash basin. And so initially uh, we, we had no idea what it was. We didn't think to ask anybody. And so for the first couple of weeks in Rome, while we're there, uh, we would actually get it. <laughs> get ice put the ice into the bidet and chill our drinks in there <laughs> while we're hanging out in our hotel um and then somehow it came up in a conversation that you know that's that's where you wash yourself and we immediately um all kind of had a gag reflex after that but <laughs> like also it's next to the toilet why well, are you gonna drink you don't, you don't i you never know. 20. You never know. Um, and the other story is, is that, uh, you know, in, also in Italy, um, we went to a friend, friends and I went to a store to, to buy some shoes because there are some beautiful shoes in Florence. And, um, you know, my, my friend went up to, to the clerk and said, you know, can we, can we talk to your boss? I want to see if there's any like, you know, extra different sizes and whatever. And uh, he actually used the word boss and immediately the clerk had this kind of negative reaction. And what do you mean? Like, nobody's the boss here. And my friend's like, what do you mean there's no boss? I, I want to see, see the boss. You're you the boss? And they all came around and were like, nobody's the boss. Nobody's the boss. And it turns out apparently what, what they had thought that they were saying was that but they thought that my friend was looking for a, a mafia boss. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were somehow the translation got got lost, and they they mis completely misunderstood the English term uh, and the translation for that. And we all kind of yeah. sat around awkwardly pointing at each other, looking asking for the boss. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> in translation. The episode of The Sopranos here. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, by the way, Lost in Translation by Sofia Coppola is a great movie. Fantastic. Movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. Great movie. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. So, guys, it was uh, great to have you in this episode of the, of the podcast. Thank you for accepting this invitation and to uh, show up. But uh, it's just uh, uh, a goodbye. I hope to see you on this side of the pond or on your side of the pond. Uh, as soon as possible. Yeah, we hope so too. Yeah, and uh, this was uh, great. And thank you for uh, sharing your time with us.